Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you that we can gather. Um, thank you that we can be fed and nurtured by your word. Uh, please grow us as the body of Christ, that we might be a faithful witness for you here in this community and a faithful witness to each other. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, we considered a biblical response to the COVID-19 crisis. And it's true, this pandemic has turned our world upside down. There's so many things now where we have to stop and we have to think uh, and ask how and why. How do we connect with our family, for example, especially those far away? How we shop uh, has changed. Um, how we do our jobs now um, and church has changed. And as we think about what we're doing and why we're doing it, we should also ask, uh, is what we're doing biblical? Here's a great opportunity to sharpen the way we think about things biblically. So today I want to think about the biblical nature of church, but also I want to revisit the Lord's Supper. Just uh, And so our talk is in two parts. If you're watching online uh, from somewhere else, uh, just know that you've walked in on a, um, a housekeeping kind of conversation uh, amidst the St Augustine's Anglican Church family. And sometimes we need to do that when there's a crisis. It's important for us to engage with the crisis with our Bibles open and, um, and understand how God speaks into our situation. So that's what we're attempting to do this morning regarding church and the Lord's Supper. So what is church? Well, have a crack. Write down your answer. Um, press the pause button to um, share or think if you need to. Pause. What is church is a loaded question, really, because there are lots of categories. I could be talking about the universal church, the broad church, where you know, we get a taste of that when Jesus uses those beautiful pictures like, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. That's a beautiful picture of the church universal. Or when he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. Or when he talks about, um, when the Apostle Paul talks about us being the body or that we're the temple and Jesus is the chief cornerstone uh, and the list goes on. The church is also spoken about regionally. So in Acts chapter 8 mentions the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, on it goes. Uh, important things for us to think about. Um, the word church corresponds with a Greek word ecclesia. Uh, and maybe you don't care about that, like whatever, but you shouldn't think like that because ecclesia literally means gathering. The church is a gathering of God's people. Or to make it even more precise, sometimes, often the Bible will talk about it, not universal or regional, but local. The locally gathered people of God. And that's what our St Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell is. We are, we are the locally gathered people of God who love Jesus. And it's this physical getting together, this physical gathering that we miss at the moment. We miss each other's faces. You don't miss mine so much, but I trust me, I miss yours. 
Um, Mick Cutler, he's a bit sad as well, because gone are the Sunday morning kisses from all the ladies. He misses it terribly. But in a COVID-19 world, we know that these church services through our YouTube channel, uh, we're making the best of a bad situation. And can I say I'm really encouraged by the way our church family have embraced this technology. Thank you. It's so good. Uh, But there are implications. And if you're watching now, okay, I'm preaching to the converted, but just go with it. See, just as when you would turn up on a Sunday, well, when you watch online, that tells me you're committed. It does. Uh, Especially when you wake up and do it first thing Sunday morning like you would normally do. Uh, That's wonderful. We are the gathered people of God in our homes and we now express that commitment as a local church digitally. Um, You are to be commended for getting past the distractions at home. Or if you're a farmer, getting past your long to-do list of jobs, you're putting it aside the fencing or whatever needs to happen just for an hour. You can pour yourself a cup of tea and you do church with us. That's wonderful. Keep doing it. And we do it knowing that other, other church family members are plugging in as well at the same time and that makes it all the more richer. The other thing about your participation is that when you watch online and when you participate, you're putting up with your church leaders as well. There's an exercise in submission there. Um, uh, you su- submission to church leaders who, who love you and who continue to labour in the Lord, albeit differently. Um, and so thank you. It's really humbling. There are dangers to online preaching though, um, and you, <laughs> you've experienced that, take three. You might remember that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Uh, but... Here's another danger of online preaching. Go. Well, welcome back to the last part of our online worship experience from St. Peter Parish Church. The last section we call waiting. And it's a great thing to pause in the presence of God and to ask the question, Lord God, what are you saying to us? And then, of course, to wait for an answer. Uh, I've just been pausing uh, between these... Oh dear, I just caught caught fire. Oh my word. He was really on fire that day, wasn't he? All right. Now here's another caution with online preaching. Something else to think about. Years ago, someone asked me, Adam, why should I come and listen to you when I can stay at home and watch John Piper? Somebody said that to me uh, before the COVID-19 crisis, way before. Um, Can I say, if you don't know John Piper, he is a world-class preacher and writer. And and comparing your local vicar with him, wow, that's that's really an achievement. Um, And I did hear the comment and I did sympathise to some extent because there's plenty of preachers I'd rather listen to than me. So um, I, I hear you. But notice the question is also... Not just about the calibre of preacher, uh, where they wanted to go world class, it seemed. Uh, it's about Sundays 
and the commitment to the gathering, of the commitment of turning up. And at that point, I want to say, it's a consumer mindset, isn't it? Some of us shop online, the range is much bigger. Sometimes it's cheaper. And the product comes to you, you don't have to go to the product. It's convenient, it suits us, it's easy. What's not to like? But tragically, some apply the same thing in the church. Where church can come to me, where I get to choose, I'm going world class today, and so online they go, and they don't even have to leave their home. And what they're actually doing as they do that is that they're trying to substitute the local church for something else that's not the local church. It's, I don't even think that's really church at that point. It's something else. Whatever it is, it's not church. You're substituting the fellowship. You're substituting, you're giving away the opportunity to serve with your gifts. You're substituting the ability to encourage others by turning up. You're letting go of all of that so that you can do this other option. I want to say plainly that such thinking about church betrays the very definition of church. It's not church. So, again, why participate with a local church Sunday to Sunday? And the answer is simple. It's because this is your local church. Church is not about being a consumer. Church is about being a family, family member. And you don't substitute your family, do you, for anything. Not your earthly family. Same goes for the spiritual family. Church is about being family and having regard for other people, regard for one another, serving one another, doing outreach with one another, showing hospitality with one another, uh, doing ministry with one another, reading the Bible with one another, singing praises with one another. So John Piper, yeah, okay, he might be a poster boy. And I think John Piper's awesome, but he doesn't know you. He doesn't even know you exist. John Piper doesn't go the journey of life with you. He doesn't walk through the shadows of life or the sunshine of life. But your church family does. And your pastoral team does. God has put the Draycott family here and Tinica as well to walk with you, to laugh with you, to cry with you, to pray with you, to share God's word with you, to encourage you in your walk with Jesus, to see you grow. And as we deliver services via YouTube, know that those goals have not changed. Now, you might come back and say, Adam, are you saying we shouldn't listen to podcasts of great preachers like Simon Manchester or John Piper? Are you saying we shouldn't watch R.C. Sproul's teaching videos or we shouldn't visit other churches online? Now, the answer is simple. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that none of those things are a substitute for your local church. 
Hebrews chapter 10, 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, Let's pause to the Lord's Supper. When we talk about the Lord's Supper, it's tricky because you you are there, I am here, and everyone else is in their own place. But as we think about the Lord's Supper, we should be thinking about the other sacrament, the other sacrament being baptism. Can I do baptism online? No. It would be a physical impossibility. Uh, I could have a glass of water, I could toss it at the camera. Would you get wet? No, you wouldn't. That's, that's, it, that's the point. It's a physical impossibility. And the Lord's Supper is the same. I cannot dispense bread and wine to you. It's a physical impossibility. You are there. I am here. Um, 1 Corinthians 11 reminds us that the Lord's Supper involves sharing a meal together. We drink the same drink. We eat from the same loaf of bread. You cannot do that via webcam. The Lord's Supper is a physical embrace of the gospel, but also it's a physical embracing of one another. In the Lord's Supper, we are called upon to recognise the body of the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 11 verse 29. And I wonder if you can notice the deliberate double meaning there, the body of the Lord. Have a think about that. Firstly, it refers to Jesus' physical body in which he was crucified on a cross so that our sins would be forgiven. But secondly, the body of the Lord speaks to our regard for one another as the body. And so together, Christians make up the body of Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together in every, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We are the body. When we turn to Jesus in faith, the Holy Spirit unites us to Jesus and the life that we have in him and through him. The Spirit is like a conduit by which the life of Jesus is shared with us. It's an unbreakable tether that joins us to Jesus. And so Christians are united to one another by the means of their union with Christ by the Holy Spirit. It is impossible then to be united to Christ without being united to all his people at the same time. And we say it in our prayer book. Uh, During the communion service, uh, I will say, uh, we are the body of Christ. And then the congregation responds with, His Spirit is with us. Uh, So there is that truth in our church service where we recognise that that we are one, one as a body, uh, united, tied together by the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is the head, we're the body. That's Colossians 1.18 or Ephesians 5. And gathering as a church, we come together physically, which we've just spent so much time talking about. That is one way we express that. And so this is a truth that doesn't change when we leave the building. But it is a truth that we express in the building as we gather. We gather, we express our oneness. And then we come to the Lord's table and we partake there. And that's like we're publicly announcing um, our intention to be identified as part of the church family. Um, We're not mere spectators at that point. It's a sign of our love, not only for Christ, but our love for his body as well, our love for one another. And again, this is part of our grief because it's a physical impossibility. Now you might say, well, no worries, Adam. I really want communion. I'm going to go online and have it. And I'll say, you're just ignoring everything we just talked about from the Bible. And it ignores, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 29 that was read out for us where it talks about these important aspects of accountability, discernment, discipline. Uh, all those things are factors in a healthy relationship. And that's key, isn't it? And that's the difference between communion here as the gathered people with me as your pastor and going online with some Joe Blow you've never heard of. And he doesn't know you. We've been encouraged to do the Lord's Supper in our homes. The Draycott family, (laughs) we opened up our home and now it's online for all to see. Uh, We've modelled it uh, earlier on this channel. Go and have a look if you want to. Uh, We do say remembering the Lord's Supper is not the property of any one denomination. Uh, Christians have been celebrating the Lord's Supper way before denominations became a thing. But I want to offer a caution, which bears thinking about. Because at this point, as we go to having communions, maybe as we go to having communions in our homes, maybe with our families, we might be tempted to go, well, we're just doing what the early church did anyway. And I want to say to you, nah, I don't think that's right. There's a temptation to think that, but I don't think that's what's happening in 1 Corinthians 11, for example. Because remember, the early church gathered is in households. People opened their homes to others, and that's when they churched. So it'd be a bit like, um, if you know Butler Street and Leonard Street, you'll know that there we have church family, we have saints that live up there. Can you imagine the Wiedemans and Winston and Barb, Burley and Madge and Bert? Imagine them all leaving their homes and descending on Kim and Kel Butler's house. And imagine them doing church in there, singing praises to God in their house, reading the Bible, encouraging each other. Uh, that is more like the early church. Because they gathered. They gathered. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18, talks about when you come together as a church, 
Um, our present situation is different to that. We've got it better because we don't fear for our lives in Inverell like the early church did. And we have technology, which is awesome. And we have the full counsel of Scripture now. We don't have to navigate all those early church issues that the early church had to navigate. But we have it harder because we're isolated. We are physically isolated. We have no visiting. We cannot physically church, even in somebody's home, uh, whereas the early church, of course, did. So then we might go, well, Adam, we're the isolated ones. We're trying to work out how to do this. What do isolated Christians do? Missionaries in closed countries, what do they do? Do they have to wait till furlough before they partake in the Lord's Supper and um, come home and do church? Is that, or, or what do aid workers do? Or what do those who work in remote places do? Or those that work strange hours? And it gets difficult. Can I say the Bible offers us norms, norms of life, and this chapter in 1 Corinthians 11 offers prescriptions. There are commands there. But the context is, a, is this setting of life. So much of what's there is just a description of what was taking place. And so maybe in a COVID-19 world, partaking in our homes might be the best of a whole bunch of bad options. Or if your conscience says otherwise and says, nah, Adam, I don't want to come at that, which I respect, then maybe then you're going down the path of other churches who are happy to forego the Lord's Supper until this is over. And I respect that. Or maybe this is a case of each being fully convinced in his own mind, which is a principle we get from Romans 14. For me, as your pastor, I want to say to you, uh, for me the primary thing is uh, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Uh, remember him. And I personally think if I'm isolated with my family, partaking of the bread and the grape juice and remembering Jesus it's a thoroughly good thing for us to be doing. I don't know that a definition of church should put restrictions on that. Whatever the case, if we partake of the Lord's Supper, firstly, we recognise the death of Christ in the past, that by his blood we are saved and made members of his body. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 25 but remembering the death of the Lord in the past, I think we all, no worries, that's, we, can do, we do that. But secondly, we recognise one another as members of his body in the present, that we are united together by the Spirit. I know I need to work on that one, maybe you do too. Thirdly, having looked at the past and then considered the present, we look to the future, the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom which Jesus' death brought into being and which we will share with him and with one another when it arrives. 1 Corinthians 11.26 uh, Of course, if you have any questions, 
uh, write an email, uh, try us on the phone. Um, these are very strange days. And it's impossible, I think, when things are so upside down to make a perfect decision. Uh, that is not possible. But with the information that we have, uh, we make uh, a decision that we think is the best one under the circumstances. Um, and so please be patient with us as we continue to navigate all this. But all of this does have me really looking forward to our first Sunday back sometime in the future. Will church ever be the same again? I don't know. Will we ever be the same again? I hope not. Will we have forgotten the important lessons we are learning at the moment? I hope not. Let me close by reading Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 on. Paul prays that out of, his, out of God's glorious riches, that God would strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that being rooted and established in love, we might have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen